Blog Talk Radio. Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules, and I am here to talk to you today about a subject that is on a lot of people's minds. Um, There's so many more people being diagnosed with celiac disease and the new diagnosis of gluten sensitivity now that it seems like every time you turn around, your cousin or a coworker or someone else you've heard of has been diagnosed or has found out that they need to exclude gluten from their diet. And We've talked about it on the show several times, you know, what what do you do when you go gluten-free, how do you do it, how do you eat out, all of these various components, but we've never really said, you know, what if you had a friend who was just diagnosed, what would you tell them? What What is the best piece of advice that you could give them for, you know, how they should start their gluten-free journey? And I kind of wanted to tackle it today because I, I did a post for Prevention Magazine on this, and you know, it was a really insightful piece, I think, because so many people chimed in and shared their perspectives and things that they had told their friends before or would tell a friend if it were to happen to them. And I think it's really valuable. If you're that friend or if you are someone who was, um, you know, asked and told, you know, oh, my goodness, I was just diagnosed, what on earth am I supposed to do? I think this will be a really valuable um podcast for you to share with the person who's been diagnosed and for yourself to listen to and and really think about how going gluten-free affects someone's whole life. If you are not gluten-free yourself, it is hard to comprehend when you receive a diagnosis or are told that you need to avoid gluten altogether. It's really hard to comprehend what that means. And that's the same problem that happens when people are first diagnosed. And I think a lot of people experience a great wave of disbelief, perhaps anger, you know, shock, maybe even you could describe it as grief when they really start to get dig down and think about all the things that they have to exclude from not just their diet, but what they perceive they will have to exclude from their social lives and their family lives as well. I remember when I was diagnosed with celiac disease many, many, many years ago, um, I was initially very much in disbelief. I, I, first of all, I had no idea what celiac disease was, but someone had just told me I had a disease. And I was in my 20s, and when you're in your 20s, you're immortal, right? And so I couldn't believe someone had just given me the diagnosis of a disease, first off, which was this you know awful-sounding thing, but then you know told me essentially I could never eat out with my friends again. I could never enjoy Thanksgiving with my family again. I could never cook a meal that anybody else would want to eat. You know, all of these things that really came crashing down on me and the realization of that that came crashing down on me at the time are the same things that happen to other people when they are also told of the diagnosis. And depends on where you are in your life. You know, if you're a child and, you know, you're just suddenly told that you can't um, eat gluten and you need to watch out for it and you're taught about avoiding gluten in your diet, it's some in some ways it's much easier because you grow up in that environment. If you're, you know, in your 20s or a teenager, it can be very awkward. If you're older, 
you know, it's still very difficult because you've become very entrenched in your way of, of doing things, not just the things that you like to eat, but the way that you do it. You know, we go out to this and such restaurant every Wednesday night. You know, we have um, potlucks with this group of friends. You know, whatever it is, when you start to break it down and think about it, it becomes very overwhelming. And there are problems that flow from that. One of course, is the misunderstanding that you and even perhaps your family and friends would not understand just how serious it is that you need to take gluten out of your diet altogether, that there's no cheating involved and that you can't just get a little bit of gluten here and there. And I think because there has been so much talk lately of the gluten-free diet being a fad diet, someone would maybe go on it erroneously thinking that they would lose weight, you know, or because they saw some, you know, supermodel doing it or some other famous person. You know, I think that there is the misconception in the community right now that if you're on a gluten-free diet, you're not really needing to be on a gluten-free diet or it's okay if you get a little bit of gluten. And if you've been given a diagnosis of celiac disease or even gluten sensitivity, and, you know, it's one of those situations where you absolutely cannot cheat. You cannot get the contamination. You cannot pick the croutons off your salad. You have to be vigilant. And when I pose this to the community, what's the piece of advice that you would tell someone who just found out that they had to go gluten-free? Again and again, I heard that echoed in the community was people needed to express to their friends, you cannot cheat. You cannot you know, treat yourself to gluten once in a while. This is not a, quote, diet. It is a lifestyle. And so I think that's a very, very important piece is, you know, while someone is going through this shock and awe of getting a diagnosis like this, you know, you need to be supportive of them and explain to them that this is very serious. I mean, I, you know, years ago did not understand the severity of my diagnosis, and I did cheat periodically, and I was not vigilant. And, you know, I wondered why I wasn't getting better. Well, what I didn't even know was that I was really not getting better on the inside because with celiac disease – it's a disease that is an autoimmune disorder so that when your autoimmune system is kicked in, you destroy certain parts of your body, in this case the villi lining your upper intestinal tract, from the inside out. And that can affect you in so many different ways. Some of them maybe aren't even visible to you. And maybe you think, oh, I can tolerate a little bit of gluten or I'm not as sensitive as you are. I can have a little bit here and there or I don't have to worry about contamination. That is absolutely positively not true with celiac disease, not in any way, shape, or form. So it's very important that you explain that and to help emphasize the severity of the situation, that they really, really need to be vigilant about not having any gluten at all. One of the things that can happen with undiagnosed celiac disease or a diagnosis of celiac disease that is not truly appreciated and there is some cheating going on or um, you know, people are not watching out for contamination, so they are still getting gluten contamination. One of the things that can happen because your autoimmune system is still engaged because of that, because you're getting gluten exposure. You are weakening your body, but you're also setting yourself up to perhaps get other diseases and other have other health conditions that could be very damaging to your body and to your longevity. So, you know, you don't want to mess around with an autoimmune disease. And luckily, celiac disease is the only one for which we know what the trigger is, which is gluten, protein, and, and wheat, barley, and rye. And so when you remove that from your diet, the autoimmune disease goes into remission, so to speak. You are not engaging it because you're not triggering it. So 
it's very, very important that you take that very seriously. And, you know, I think when a person is first diagnosed and you're going through all of these issues and you're thinking, well, I can just, you know, have a this or a that or anything every once in a while, you know, it is very important to lay the boundaries in the beginning. But then to say, and guess what? It's really going to be okay because it seems so overwhelming when it first happens. And I heard this repeatedly from the folks who chimed in on my blog as well as um, on the prevention article and on Twitter and in Facebook where I had posed these questions. People chimed in and said, you know, you need to tell your friend it's going to be okay. It's very overwhelming in the beginning, and we all agree it's very overwhelming. I think universally speaking, I think most people think around six months. After six months, you're you're going to feel way better about your control of your diet and your lifestyle, and you're going to start feeling better too. So that's going to be a benefit as well. But in the beginning, it's super overwhelming. And so you need to tell your friend, take it easy. It's going to be okay. I'll be here for you, whatever you need, and to support you. But I heard this one time and again. I heard people say, breathe. Just breathe. Just take a breath. Take a moment to just realize that it's going to be okay. You can do this. And now, luckily, there are so many wonderful resources out there. There's so many, so many wonderful foods out there. There's so many wonderful recipes out there. You know, back in the what I call the dark ages of gluten-free when I was diagnosed, there weren't any of these things. There was no such thing as a gluten-free menu. No one had heard of gluten or celiac disease, at least in my circles. And so there was this massive hurdle of understanding exactly how to undertake this new lifestyle, which is still an overwhelming task now, but not nearly as much as it was then. So take advantage of all these wonderful resources. But with this in mind, I would very much caution you, don't go diving into the internet and doing all kinds of searches right at once, because you're going to find that there is still a lot of misinformation out there. I unfortunately still see journalists and others posting articles or um you know other bloggers posting things about gluten that are untrue. And you know, you're you have to worry about gluten and ketchup or something like that, you know. And and there are lots of other examples of people saying it's in this or it's in that or it's not in this and it really is. So you need to find some trusted sources. I would strongly suggest either going to your library or going and buying a couple of these resources that are published by authors who are um credible, either by physicians or others who are credible in the community on living gluten free. And you know, one of the other main suggestions people had was to join a celiac support group, which I would strongly support you in doing that. And you can get names of the books that are the best resources from a celiac support group. So if you if your only search online when you're first diagnosed is to find a local celiac support group, then that's a great place to start. And you can go to them and ask them, what books should I buy? Because it's super helpful to go into the grocery store with a book in hand that describes all of the things that you need to look for and watch out for and other things that you should look for to purchase. So you have sort of a guide with you when you can walk into a grocery store or even a restaurant and have that with you. Because celiac, or rather gluten, actually masks itself in some different ways. I mean, I mentioned earlier gluten is the protein contained in wheat, barley, and rye. Okay, well, that sounds like it can handle that. However, on food labels, it can masquerade as things like malt, and you need to make sure that you understand that if you are looking at a food label, if it includes malt and it's not otherwise called out 
as being corn malt, it is probably barley malt, which then means that it has gluten in it. So there's little things like that that you really need to master and having a strong um you know, a book there with you that you can take with you and not have to worry about whether or not the facts in it are right or wrong is super helpful. So I would strongly recommend that as well. And even if you have been diagnosed or realized that you need to to remove gluten from your diet, not because of celiac, but because of gluten sensitivity or because of a gluten-free, casein-free diet, um, whatever the reason, the medically necessitated reason for it, it's okay to join a celiac support group. And, in fact, I would strongly, strongly encourage it. If you go to gluten.net on the Internet, you'll find resources there that are super easy to click through and find perhaps that there's a celiac support group in your area where you can do another search for Meetup or something like that. There are lots of groups around the country, and they're really nice because there are a lot of people in these groups who have been in these groups for a long time. And, you know, you might wonder, well, once they've mastered it, why are they still there? Well, they're there to help you. You know, they're there to be support structure for you, the newly diagnosed person. And they're there because they also learn new recipes and new restaurant tips and things like that by going to these events. And oftentimes vendors are invited in to share um, and do taste tests or things like that. So it's a really fun way to meet other people, to learn information that would be useful to you, and to also, especially if you have a child who um, is gluten-free, to find playmates for your child because that's something that you know a lot of folks – feel like, you know, they're isolated. Well, imagine being a child, you know, and, and having some friends who also eat the same way that you do is pretty fun and sharing, you know, kid-friendly recipes and, and restaurants and things like that. So those are some of the, um, some of the pretty broad-ranging um, advice tips that we've gotten um, posted in here on these various media. But I would go back to a couple others as well because I think, you know, once someone has – understood that they have a disease or understood that they have to live gluten-free and they have sort of progressed to the next step. Well, what do you do next? Well, this is why I wrote the book, The First Year Celiac Disease and Living Gluten-Free. It's a month by month and in the beginning, week by week, what the heck do I do next? And it you know, obviously tackles all kinds of things like kids' birthday parties, dating, traveling internationally, all these different things which you might tend to be overwhelmed with in the beginning. Those are tackled later on in the book. In the beginning of the book, it's all what do I do first. And I think that it's very important, and I saw this from lots of comments from folks as well, it's very important to take things one step at a time, one meal at a time, one day at a time, one grocery aisle at a time. There was one comment from a reader who said every week she tackled a new grocery aisle. You know, and that's all she did. She just went down the one aisle and she had her list of things. She had her book and she knew what she could buy and what she couldn't buy. She knew what ingredients to look for, what she couldn't look for. So that, you know, just in manageable bite-sized pieces because if you start thinking about the rest of your life and all of these different things, it's going to seem way too overwhelming to really be able to tackle it all at once. Another thing that was repeated throughout was keep it simple. And I would refer back to the grocery store analogy there because I think keeping things simple starts at the grocery store because it starts with you making food at home. And if you have never made a meal or you hate cooking or whatever, I have news for you. You're going to want to learn to cook. And it's not hard to cook. It's not hard to cook gluten-free. But while there are tons of gluten-free foods available that are ready-made, they tend to be more expensive. They're not always nutritionally wonderful. And 
you may find you have other dietary restrictions. A lot of times in people's journeys to find out that they are um, gluten-free or that they need to be gluten-free, they've found other dietary sensitivities that have cropped up. Perhaps it's dairy or eggs or soy or nuts or what have you. So cooking at home really helps you to be able to control those variables and to make sure that what you're preparing at home is safe for you. And so when you go to the grocery store and you're saying, oh, my goodness, I need to learn how to cook, start simple and start in the outside of the grocery store, not physically outside, but the outside aisles of the grocery store, which tend to be the um, fruits and vegetables, the dairy aisle, things like that, the fresh stuff. And I would totally start there. And I would really remind yourself of all the wonderful things that are out there to eat that are naturally gluten-free and are naturally good for you. Because part of this process is going to be you figuring out how to make yourself healthier as well. It's a wonderful opportunity to actually learn to read labels and to say, hmm, do I really want to put that in my body? Even if it is gluten-free, it's got 17 ingredients that I can't pronounce. Is that something that I really want to be eating? So start, start fresh, start simple, start whole, and, you know, start grilling some vegetables or if you like to um, have meat or fish or chicken, you know, just start plain, simple, and do, you know, master some of those meals for yourself. Figure out some good breakfast solutions and, you know, really get some confidence about how you're going to be able to make it day to day. And then as you grow in your new life as a gluten-free person, you will obviously be able to dabble in more types of recipes and different types of foods and things. And everybody would pretty much agree not to go out to eat early on. And again, that's another reason to sort of stay close to home initially so you can control things. The main reason is because you're seeing more and more people, restaurateurs, sort of hopping on this gluten-free bandwagon and having gluten-free menus, which is wonderful in the abstract, but a lot of them don't know what they're doing. And until you know what you're doing, you don't know the questions to ask them about whether they know what they're doing. So what I mean by that is they could have a meal that is technically gluten-free, but by the time it gets to your table, it's not because it's been contaminated. And so you need to understand the questions you need to ask about their procedures and how they're handling things and about the minutia of the actual ingredients as well because you would not believe how many people don't know, um, you know what is truly gluten-free and what isn't. I mean, I was at a restaurant um, last week actually with my children and I said, you know, do you have a gluten-free menu? And they said, yes, and here it is. And I said, well, can you tell me whether, you know, this and this and this are gluten-free? And I always like to sort of take a poll, you know, see how much they really know in the beginning so I know how many questions I need to ask. And they said, everything is gluten-free except for the rice. Well, rice is gluten-free. Did you do something to the rice to make it not gluten-free? Did you put something in it? Did you put some flour in it for some reason? Is there a sauce? What is it? And they said, no. But rice has gluten in it, right? I mean, this is a restaurant with a gluten-free menu. So this is what I'm saying to you as a gluten-free person new to this journey. Start at home. Start in your own kitchen and start in a manageable way so that you are sure you're not getting contaminated while you learn the ropes of living gluten-free before you actually go try it, um, you know, in a restaurant setting. Now, that being said, there are some wonderful restaurants, depending on where you live, that are dedicated gluten-free, which is a huge blessing. So if you can find one of those types of restaurants, then, you know, you can actually have a lot more um, comfort in going to eat at a restaurant like that. 
some other comments that I got, which I think are are just you know <laughs> wonderful comments. People had really opened up and, and shared a lot about what they went through and what they would tell someone else. Um, one of my favorite comments was, "I usually add that gluten free doesn't have to suck," <laughs> and I think you know what, as as base as that is, um, you, you know. You might laugh and think, you know, well, that's kind of, you know, not really insightful. It totally is insightful because so many people have a preconceived notion that everything that's made gluten-free is bad. Like I take a bite of something and I'm going to know it's gluten-free. That does not have to be that way anymore. Now, again, when I was first um, diagnosed, it was kind of that way. But no more is it like that. So don't settle for things that don't taste good because what's going to happen is then you're going to want to cheat or you're going to be miserable on your diet or you won't share with your friends and you're going to feel isolated. So don't settle for anything less than something that tastes really good to you and something that is a meal your whole family can eat together because that's going to be a, a really essential key to your survival on a gluten-free diet is making it work for you and for your family. And it won't work for your family if you have to make two or three different meals. One of them is you know, for you and no one else is enjoying that with you because it doesn't taste good. You need to find things that actually taste good. And that's, again, another way that the celiac support groups can really help you. If you are not in a place where there are celiac support groups that are um, nearby, I guess that's why you know God made the Internet and um, Facebook and things like that because it's a really wonderful opportunity for you to reach out to other resources through Facebook and other types of mediums like that to find friends and find other people to give you some advice. And again, this is after you've mastered the basics and you've got a, a good solid book, um, a resource with you that you can carry around when you go to the store and that can help walk you through how to make your gluten-free kitchen um, truly gluten-free and all of those things. Then you can start reaching out and say, how do you folks do this? What kind of restaurants do you go to? What recipes do you like? What brands of this do you like? And then you can reach out on Facebook and other places for that. Twitter is also a really great resource if you're on Twitter already because you can search for hashtags and you can just search for hashtag gluten-free and see what people are saying about gluten-free um, products and other things like that. And you can find some really amazing friends. I've met amazing people through those resources and I you know, finally have laid eyes on them years later, but they've been great resources for me and I hope I've been for them as well just because I met them online. So I would encourage you to use those opportunities to reach out because it's essential, and I heard this again and again and again, it is essential that you don't feel alone because you're not alone. There are so many of us out there now, more every single day, who have to live gluten-free, who have to keep this lifestyle. And we always will. And so we're kind of in this together, and it's a wonderful community because of that, because we all support one another, and it's really wonderful um, and quite unique, I think, because... You know, there's not really many other types of um, illnesses or diseases or um, dietary restrictions that bond people like a gluten-free diet does. Um, another thing that I would follow up with, I guess, is um, some comments that I've heard from people who say, you know, in terms of going to other people's homes, and that, again, I, I tackled that one in my book because I think it's very important. You know, you think about Thanksgiving or potlucks or um, things like that. I always bring enough for me to eat and be happy. And, of course, I share. But, you know, whatever it is to you that is important, is it bread? Is it meat? Is it an appetizer? Is it dessert, munchies? What is it? I always bring that myself because when you go to someone else's house, as well-meaning as they might be, they probably don't have a gluten-free kitchen. 
they may not know if all the ingredients are gluten-free. And again, they may have prepared it in a way that means at the end it's not gluten-free. So you, until you're confident that what the other foods are that are there for you to eat, you want to make sure you have something to eat. And Along the same lines, I always recommend that people find good gluten-free protein bars and snacks and keep them with them at all times because especially if you were one of those folks who tended to not think um, too far in advance about their next meal and you know run out to McDonald's or something like that, you're not going to want to put yourself in that situation. You do not want to be hungry and feel tempted to perhaps go somewhere and eat something that may not be gluten-free. So always keep something with you, be it you know, fresh fruit or some gluten-free bars or nuts or snacks or something like that in your pocketbook or your briefcase or your car, your desk, wherever it is that you find yourself needing to munch, always have something with you. And I have post after post after post on wonderful products like that. I just last week went over a bunch of new products that you should be looking for as well. So you can listen to others of my podcast or you can go on to blog.julesglutenfree.com and search you know, granola bars or whatever. And I have tons of recipes, but I also have tons of product recommendations for pre-made um, gluten-free foods that I trust and that I feel like are really um, you know, healthy and tasty and, and all of those things because you kind of find some things every once in a while that, again, are not so good, and you don't want to be wasting your money on those things. So make sure you have something with you at all times and that your friends and your family understand that it's not a reflection on them if you don't try their you know, whatever casserole because it's really more important that you are safe and that you and your health are what is being taken care of than someone's um hurt feelings about their recipe. It's a it's a process and and it will be something that will become second nature to you and and to encourage you further to um really believe that because I know in the beginning particularly it's hard. I did a an audio diary here on Blog Talk Radio with a woman named Jessica whose daughter was diagnosed last fall with celiac disease and this was a total surprise and she was diagnosed and we did an audio diary with and you can download the podcast week one, week two, week three, week four and week five, following her through all of those weeks of her, you know, initial shock and grief and worry and how on earth am I gonna do this? And you'll hear as we track through the first five weeks and then again we revisit her at six months, you will hear how a normal person just like you deals with a diagnosis of celiac disease and who really overcomes it and is doing a wonderful job now. And at the six-month visit that we um, that we had on Blog Talk Radio, you know, she really said the gluten part is, is really super easy now. It really is much, much more manageable. It makes sense, and it's become second nature for them and for their family. And even her very young daughter has taken ownership of it and asks the right questions and is, you know, feels special because of it. So there's, I think, you know, listening to someone else go through all of those different, you know, stages that are normal and perfectly normal for anyone to experience can give you more of a sense of security and confidence that you are going through exactly the same thing that someone else has gone through and that many, many, many other people have gone through. And when you're on the other side, you can be the friend to someone else to help usher them through it and help to, um, you know, make them feel like they they can do it too and that they're going to be able to come out um, ahead on the other side. 
I would leave you just with a few parting comments about this. I was re- like looking over my book again before I did the podcast today, and a, a couple of things that I, I had said in the beginning of the book I still really resonate with me, and I think that they're important. You know, when you are given a diagnosis of celiac disease um, or even the gluten sensitivity, which can be very, very severe. You know, you're going to have all these different issues, these different things going through your head, but you need to revisit the idea that you have been blessed. And I know, you know, you might be smirking at this point at that, but you'll understand what I'm saying. When you really think about the fact that this diagnosis, this life change for you, is giving you the opportunity to take control not just of your daily health, but of your future. If you truly follow a gluten-free diet and you start reading those vegetables and you start, you know, really understanding the value of food as the fuel that you put into your body and you take ownership of that, you're not putting prescriptions in your mouth because of this disease. You're deciding not to put certain foods in your mouth. So you're just changing what goes on your table. That is all that you're doing. And you will start to feel better, not just because of the, you know, gluten being removed from your from your diet, but also because you will find you will be eating healthier because you're going to start to weigh the options of everything that's put in front of you. And, of course, you can still have your favorite indulgences and you know, cookies and cakes or what have you in, in a gluten-free form, but you'll start to really take ownership of your future because it's really all about that. You don't have to pop a pill with celiac disease or gluten sensitivity. You simply remove gluten from your diet and you feel better. And it's really a wonderful blessing in that way. So I leave you with that. Please feel free to comment at any point on my prevention.com articles there, especially the one pertaining to advice for a gluten-free friend. It's at um, livingwellglutenfree at prevention.com. And you can also visit me at blog.julesglutenfree.com, Jules Gluten-Free Flower on Facebook, and Jules Gluten-Free on Twitter.